Welcome to the Arate Podcast. My name is Richard Triggs, and today's guest is Chris Moody, Managing Director of Brand Audits and published author of the book Designer Law School. It's great to have you along today. I've known Chris Moody for many years, and she's a very interesting person, somebody I would describe as almost a serial entrepreneur, and she's taken her talents, particularly in relation to branding, into a range of different industries, which we'll talk about a lot later. She's also recently written and published a book, Designer Law School, and I've read the book personally, and I found it to be extremely beneficial as a small business owner, as well as a great read. Before I introduce Chris Moody to you properly, let me briefly introduce myself for those people who aren't familiar with me. My name is Richard Triggs and I'm the managing partner of Arate Executive. And we recruit CEOs, senior leaders and non-executive directors for our clients throughout Australia. We also provide a range of career coaching and advocacy solutions for senior executives and non-executive directors actively looking for a new role. So if I can assist you in recruiting into your own business or in relation to finding your next career opportunity, I'd welcome the chance to have a chat to you. Sit back now and let me introduce to you Chris Moody. Chris Moody has over 30 years professional experience, predominantly working in the area of branding. She's largely worked for herself during that time and has worked with many very widely recognised brands, including the Gold Coast City Council, Hilton Hotels, and many others, supporting them in taking their businesses to their full potential from a branding point of view. She's currently Managing Director of her own business, Brand Audits, as well as having two entrepreneurial ventures, being Poppy Cakes and The Wrap Dress, which she'll talk about in detail in this podcast interview. She's also recently written and published a book, Designer Law School. Chris Moody lives in Brisbane with her family. Sit back and enjoy this conversation with Chris Moody. Well, uh, Chris, welcome to the Arate Podcast. Fantastic to have you along on what is uh, the first uh, business day in spring in yes. uh, Brisbane and the weather is already absolutely magnificent. I was just uh, sitting having a bit of a barbecue yesterday and feeling how lucky we are. The weather's just been superb. We're so lucky in Brisbane. And uh, you know we're both uh, bumping into each other all the time at the Brisbane Club. We're yes. both very active members. Yes. So it's excellent to have you along the podcast. And uh, what I like to do just to start with is if you could let the listeners know, you know, your range of current professional responsibilities. Sure, I've got a few. I've always been an entrepreneur, so people are always asking me, what are you doing now? My main role, I'm Chief Brand Officer for um, Brand Audits, and that company audits brands from a visual perspective against their strategy. Uh-huh. And I'm always working in some startups. So, for example, I started the wrap dress when I was actually finishing my master's at uh, QUT because I wanted to see uh, how online would work, just having an online product Mm -hmm. and learning from that. So I always believe that you're better off to to learn as you go. But I also, in my past, I've had, uh, I started Poppy Cakes in uh, mid-2000s 
and uh, also um, several companies like Moody Design, etc. over the years. So I've basically always worked for myself. Sure. Okay. Mm. Let's delve into each of those uh, in a bit more detail. So we'll leave brand audits to last. Yes. Okay. Your main gig. So the wrap dress uh, online. Um, uh, selling dresses to professional women. Yes, and that started because I realised um, I had sold a business and was in between other businesses, and I realised I actually had, was working so hard I actually didn't have any hobbies. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'll start sewing again. I always used to love sewing. I'm not very good, but I used to love it. And I thought a few of my girlfriends said, "Oh, I'd like to do that too." So I started a corporate group sewing group called stitch and bitch right <laughs> and basically the girls would bring their berninas over on a saturday once a month and we basically stitch and a bit of bitching right. um and it was great escape because i think you need your hobbies for your creative side sure. and i started my very first thing i made after all these years was a wrap dress because there's no zips there's no buttons right. you can tighten it you can yeah. get away with a lot and um, I used to wear it, and people used to say, oh, where did you get that from? And I thought, oh, I'm just going to register mm. the name. Mm-hmm. And, of course, um, then one thing led to another, and I thought, I'll just do a little bit of a online store, mm-hmm. um, blah, blah, blah. And because I had no idea about um, online in mm. that, in that for selling garments, I had no idea about how to actually manufacture garments, but... I never had problems with joining the dots. Right. I know how to ask questions. I know right. how to build a brand. And I actually literally had it up and running in about a month. And so um, have you you now, I can't imagine, making all the dresses yourself? No, right. no. What I did was I actually, how I, worked, how I worked through it was very slowly. So I made them myself. I yeah. wore them myself. I knew all the problems mm-hmm. with them. I found a local dressmaker. Mm-hmm. And we got rid of all the problems. I wore them. I tested fabrics. I went and saw all the supplies of fabric in um, Sydney. I wanted to have a good quality. I knew, fab- it was, I knew it was all about the fabric. I also wanted to create my own design. So I needed fabric that was, one, washable and wearable, breathable, um, but could actually be printed on as well. Because mm. I knew from my research that's where you can actually get your intellectual property. Okay, right. The wrap dress is a generic name. Sure. So I knew that I, you could be known for your prints. Uh-huh. And so um, I found, just, just from talking to the right people, then who do you know? So when I got the patterns, etc., when I got the design right, so I adjusted things I didn't like, and um, I actually called my girlfriend and said, come on over, have some cupcakes and cup of tea, and I got them to try samples on. I didn't right. tell them why, yeah. but I wanted to see different shapes and sizes. Sure. So I did a lot of prototypes, and once I got it right, I then talked to someone and said, oh, do you know who can do digital patterns, mm-hmm. etc.? My model was purely to show people how you don't have to have any money. So I, someone would buy a dress, so you buy a dress mm-hmm. and it gets made. And in the early days it was about when someone would buy a garment, I was so excited because it meant I could get another digital pattern, right. could buy some more fabric, etc. And um, But I worked very closely. I knew from other businesses I had, you've got to work very closely with the people mm-hmm. um, that can help you because I didn't have that fashion background. So I was relying on it. Mm-hmm. So I just asked questions from the um, the agents for the fabric, the fabrics made in, in Italy. Um, I found someone, I said, well, who buys all your fabrics? You know, who's your biggest mm-hmm. uh, purchaser? Because I want to get these dresses made. And I knew because it's a knit, it's hard to sew. Mm-hmm. So I found someone that, that actually does swimwear. Okay. So I was looking for someone non-competing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get them made here. Mm-hmm. 
because I could keep an eye on them. Now they can go anywhere, but made here and do all my sampling here mm. and then over to China. Um, but it was it was great because the skill of actually not knowing about an industry actually helps you mm-hmm. because you're not you're not blocked by what you know, if you know what I mean. You just go, well, I want to do this. You've got a vision and you find the right people to come mm-hmm. on board. But also you can learn without sure. making... Without having to make a big, okay. you know, hoo ha about it, you can right. just make the mistakes. There's no one else to tell. You just yeah. go, oh well, I learnt from that, and you move on. So exactly. it was a it was a great, okay, it was a great experiment to do and and to to do it in that way. Right. So that's a wrap dress. Uh, wrap dress. What about poppy cakes? Well, poppy cakes. Um, I closed that store because right. it, it had done what it wanted to do. I we needed a break from it. It was seven days a week, and yeah. it was it wasn't really. That was a really good lesson in, it was a great business, mm-hmm. and but we're not the people to run a shop. I, well, I was actually in New York, saw mm-hmm. Magnolia Bakery, very famous in Sex in the City. And I thought, oh, we could do something like this mm-hmm. because we were, I don't cook, but my husband does. And I knew that our cupcakes and cakes were really well known at the school tuck shop right. at New Farm. Okay. We couldn't do tuck shop. We were supply right. the cakes. Yeah. And the reaction we got to that, I thought, we're onto this. So right. I rang my husband. I was in New York. I rang Theo and said, we should do this. Mm-hmm. So again, I see ideas mm-hmm. and I don't just talk about that. It'd be a good idea. I mm-hmm. actually test the water mm-hmm. and we actually opened poppy cakes mm-hmm. because of that. But in hindsight... What I would do differently now is actually do a startup mm-hmm. with the aim of exiting. Right. So I'm, you know, I love the the building and the idea yep. and the seeing a gap in the market, mm-hmm. but then going, that's great. Mm-hmm. What's new? What's and, next? Uh, at the time, Poppy Cakes was uh, very well uh, known and uh, awarded around Brisbane. Very. We we won a lot of awards. We also had so many people. Like, we've still got followers now, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, if we see occasionally comes out of retirement and makes cakes. Right. So he still gets the occasional thing, but we got to change that model. We've still got an idea up our sleeve about what we want to do there. Okay. Um, in the online space, but um, yeah. So we it was time. Thea wasn't that well. Uh, it was time to to right. move on to the next chapter. Okay, sure. Mm. And so let's get now to your day job. Yes. Uh, brand audits. So. Talk to us about that. Well, Brand Audit started actually part of Moody Design when I could see that discovery um, phase at the beginning of a project when you're asking a client about their business plan, their strategy, Mm -hmm. etc. Often that material was in folders and books and things like that and you'd interview the CEO about his vision. And then I was looking at the materials that were supposed to carry the message, whether it was website or brochures or online. Um, social media and it often there was a gap right. or there was always a gap mm-hmm. and I'm thinking what's happening in the translation mm-hmm. and often the CEOs um, and the senior executive team would hand over their written words to external marketing teams or internal it doesn't matter mm-hmm. but it was lost in translation right so brand audit started really as a offering within moody design mm-hmm. and which is just what i often do i see i see a an idea i'll test it within the safety of the mm-hmm. bigger organization 
and then it's then when I know it's ready, it breaks off. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to do was um, when you have design in your name, people think for some reason that you're in fashion, which is really funny since right. I've got the rap dress. But right. um, something about design, you're an interior designer or a mm-hmm. fashion designer that didn't sort of see it that it was um, corporate or communication mm-hmm. design. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create an organisation where the name said what I did, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. So, and brand now is everything. Brand's right. becoming the big thing because it's so intangible. It's mm-hmm. and to make your products and services tangible, your brand and your identity is mm-hmm. so crucial. So uh, I spun it off, and um, and I love that space of working with internal teams or working with the client's external teams and mm-hmm. with the client. Not to say you've done this right and you've done this wrong. You benchmark, mm-hmm. you see where they are and where they want to go, and you look at the gap, and basically you create mm-hmm. um, a pathway to really make sure that organisation is actually uh, visibly looking mm-hmm. like the firm they should be mm-hmm. and, vi- and the, where they want to go. Mm-hmm. So it's more important now than it ever has mm. been. Okay. So. And uh, I noted from reading uh, your overview document that you're working in the personal brand space as well. And that one's a fun one. I, I got approached by, um, well, actually how it all started was I had completed my master's. My master's research took six years and that was in the brand space. Mm-hmm. So it was about retail brands. So I took, I looked at the retail space in Australia. So I interviewed CEOs for that. They had to be headquartered in Australia. About um, what was it about their um, space that they could differentiate their brand? So how did they do it to compete against the obviously influx of overseas brands coming? Anyway, I finished my masters and I sort of went, well, what's next? So I actually used my brand audit tools on myself. Mm-hmm. And I just, as as independent as I could be, I'm a little bit biased, but um, what I did was I basically just used the tools. And I just, okay, what do I need to do? I need to get fit, I need to do this. And I literally did my audit on myself. And that Mm -hmm. was my way of um, regrouping and um, restarting what was next. Because after doing my um, master's, it was such a long process to get through and as we all know so many people start and don't finish and Mm. I can completely understand it now but there's no way and that was one of the things Mm. on my list I Mm. have to finish it yeah have to get fit and I have to work out what's next so what I did was I did finish my master's I did graduate which is great I did um, get fit and I even did a tough motor I saw that which was fantastic I've never done anything so hard in my life five and a half hours it was just but so inspiring so amazing and um, the other thing was also to see what's next. Mm-hmm. And so I basically finished, handed my work over to someone to proofread my master's. Mm-hmm. I already passed. So you get someone to proofread it before you publish. Yeah. Hopped on a plane to New York. Right. And in fact, my editor would ring me or email me and say, blah, blah, and go, yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I had to try and pay attention because where I get my inspiration from is New York. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things on my list. Go over, chill out, don't, don't. Just keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, mm-hmm. just see what's happening in New York, mm-hmm. um, which I did for quite a few weeks. And I wasn't coming back until I had to. Right. So, in fact, um, I just wanted to not have any sort of absolute deadline. I had a rough deadline, but not an absolute deadline because I didn't want to have that pressure. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to see and look and feel what was over there. Mm-hmm. 
and um, it was the best thing I did. Mm-hmm. So, so how does that tie back to the personal brand work? Um, well, what it was was that was one of the things on my list is you've got to get out. You've actually got to get out as a as a when you're doing your personal brand. So for me. Um, what I found was you need to really decide what your path is Mm because you can get so carried away with what other someone else Mm -hmm. wants you to do or what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And people could see that I'd actually achieved so much in my life and with my personal brand. So I had um, a lot of, mostly women actually, approach me and say, would you do my personal, look after my personal brand? And of course, it was, you've got to be very... um, you've got to be very empathetic mm-hmm. t- towards um, the people who want their audits done because you've got to dig really deep. You've got mm-hmm. to actually know them, mm-hmm. um, try and get to know them and know them on a deeper level than you probably did before. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff comes out, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of coaching and mentoring That's and right. doing your audit. And counselling. And counselling. And I guess because uh, of my story that people and my journey with my personal mm-hmm. audit and brand people really resonate because it's not just me saying I do this it's I've actually done this and this is what I've achieved sure so the audit is really a lot of um, women who now want to be non-executive directors who've been in senior roles where they had Mm -hmm. a corporate identity within Mm -hmm. their um, organization who've now moved or currently might be in their corporate organization but they want to have their brand on top of that Mm -hmm. so they're my ideal Mm -hmm client and it's um it's paying off dividends i really enjoy it Mm -hmm. and i really get it Mm -hmm. i guess is the most important thing it's not just theory it's i get i get it but also at the end of it they've got a bit of direction because everyone knows what their direction should really be Mm -hmm. but you don't often take the time to sit and i get them to write things down it's a documented Mm -hmm. um staged procedure and process but they come out going they they know what i can't tell them Mm -hmm. what to do i just guide Mm -hmm. i just guide Mm -hmm. and often that goes out to things like they may not have been concentrating on their social media Mm -hmm. or they feel a bit overwhelmed with facebook and linkedin Mm -hmm. and things like that Mm -hmm. and so i help them write their narrative put what they're telling me into words and help them with Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. and that's really helping them and and i love it it's it's, it's on the side of my brand audit work but i actually love it okay and uh and most uh importantly and relevant at this time is you've just published your first book yes well i call it my second because i see my thesis as my first my supervisors on qut probably wouldn't see that as a book my thesis but i like to sort of think of it as such but yes i i um while i was um doing my master's again i um I started writing on the side. I had a particular issue around, a legal issue. And rather than overwhelm me, I would spend an hour doing warm-up to write my thesis by writing about the issue, how I was feeling, you know, about everything from lawyers to what information I was getting and and et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't meant to be a book. It's just that I was writing it on the side. It was a distraction from writing my academic thesis. Yeah, very much. And I saw it as a warm-up and a a venting that I could... That's my hour up. I only do it for an hour. That's my hour up. I'm on to my my thesis now. And um, it's called Designer Law School, Legal Lessons for Design Entrepreneurs. Because what I found was a lot of the... I've been working for myself for all these years. So I've had lawyers, the best lawyers, the best accountants, the best advice. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really think it was my problem. Mm -hmm. So I would get this advice and go, it's a legal document, get a get a legal contract yeah 
wouldn't read it, send it to the lawyer, they look at it, they say, oh, what's wrong with it? And you go, okay, well, can you, you know, you talk to them yep. and I'll talk to you and blah, blah, blah. But what I didn't realise was, well, no, I didn't realise, I didn't appreciate the fact that you should read everything in absolute detail and if you do not know it, ask. Mm-hmm. So don't feel, don't feel intimidated. And also getting the right advice is really hard. Not all lawyers are the right people for every matter. The good ones will send you somewhere else, but often a matter might be taken by them that's not not the right um, lawyer for you. But it all comes back to, it's not about lawyers in this case, the book, I actually interviewed lawyers for the book, but it was, I asked them things, I asked them the same 10 questions around how do you find a lawyer, how do you prepare, how, as a client, how do we prepare to come to you to get the best advice? Mm-hmm with the outcome being the best outcome you can get. So mm-hmm. it might be, yes, we, you should do this or, or don't do this. But whatever it is, it's actually making sure you've got a good working relationship. Mm-hmm. You're not intimidated by the lawyer, mm-hmm. um, but also that you're speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. Because often, I don't even know half the time what those lawyers were talking about because it was just a different level. Mm-hmm. Unless you'd done a law degree, really, you couldn't understand it. So I have a simple approach in this book where we just go through different things and it's broken into lessons. Mm -hmm. So I talk about things like, you know, your needs in a nutshell. How do you find the right person? Um, How do you shortlist? How do you you actually work with them to get the best outcome? Mm -hmm. And it could be anything from... uh, employment contract to a leasing document to a... um, any contract of of any sort right down to legal issues with a partnership or, mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. the same rules apply mm. uh, it's particularly aimed at design entrepreneurs because we've got an idea we just want to do it yeah although I must admit having read the book uh, you know I'm not in the design space I'm in the recruitment space but uh, as a small business owner what you talk about is completely applicable you know to to my business as well and I think that's what I realized even though the, the title's got design entrepreneur in it the fact that it's actually for everybody, I aimed it at that because it's got some, I think more than anything with the entrepreneurial space, you hear the words innovation, entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that is the right title for this book. Mm-hmm. My next book I'm working on, I'm going to interview designers and talk about their experiences. Right. So this one was about my journey and my interviews with lawyers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in fact, the biggest feedback or the most positive feedback I've had is from lawyers Mm -hmm. because this is great for them. Sure. It's great for them to say, client, read this. Yeah. Because it helps. If you can actually get into their um, psyche and actually work out what do you want to do, Mm -hmm. forget about Mm -hmm. legal issues, what do you want to do? I want to do this. Who is the best person to see? This person. Mm-hmm. How do I actually talk to them about my matter without being a lawyer, but still get the best outcome? Mm-hmm. And how do I ask questions along the way? Mm-hmm. So I even allowed in this book in the back, I've got notes, four mm-hmm. pages of notes, because mm-hmm. I want it to be used as a book that you go, oh, I'll remember that for next time. Yeah, well, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, exactly the same with my book, uh, Uncover the Hidden Job Market, in that if a candidate approaches me, a senior executive looking for a role, I say to them, read my book and then let's have a conversation because, um, and I can completely get a lawyer saying, read this book because then when you do actually sit across the table from me, we'll be able to have a much more effective and strategic conversation than me basically having to start from scratch. 
That's excellent. And clients love it. I mean, I th- I th- lawyers love it because they, they see that this is actually meaning that they, they can be more time efficient with their clients. Mm-hmm. I mean, every matter is different. There's no cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. But it also allows them to to be um, – their clients can ask them questions. They're going to mm-hmm. get a better outcome. Mm-hmm. They're going to be happier clients. So, mm-hmm. But because of this, because I had to do so much legal work on, on my own for the last few years and then I wrote the book mm-hmm. – I actually thought, well, I'm just going to do it, push this a little bit further, mm-hmm. and I'm actually studying applied law at QUT mm, now. So, yeah. not only did it help me, and the book's actually been fantastic to help other people mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's also given me a different direction. I don't intend to practice law, mm-hmm. um, but I just want to know a lot more about it. Mm-hmm. So, mine's more about applied law. Mm. Uh, I know a little bit about a lot. I'm very, very <laughs> dangerous now from a legal perspective. But I think what it gave me was um, who would have thought that my little one hour of writing yeah. uh, has actually turned into this. And it yeah. took a bit to t- take it from my ramblings right. into this book. Sure. I've got a good editor. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I, I, can, I want to have something I can grow for the next. So that oh, the next book will have more lessons. Fantastic. So. Well, we've talked a lot about where you're at now, but why don't we go back and just delve into the past and tell us about uh, you know where you were born and your early life, mum, dad, brothers and sisters, etc. Okay. Well, um, I was born in Brisbane. Okay. I've lived in Brisbane all my life, actually. Travelled all over the world, but lived in Brisbane all my life. Mm-hmm. One of six children, so I'm the second mm-hmm. eldest. Four, uh, five girls, one boy. Wow. Yes, I know. Boy. I know. <laughs> in fact, people used to ask me at school, "You're Catholic?" I didn't know what that meant in year one. But um, yeah, so six six children. So in fact, same as dad's family: four girls, a boy, then a girl. Right. And um, what did mum and dad do? Our dad, or mum, was a, actually a flight attendant. Okay. And then before she was married, that is. And then dad was always working for himself. So my father worked for his father. Okay. In what sort of industry? Meat exporting. Okay. And in fact, that and, that and I think in grandpa's day it was a broader export right. market. But dad narrowed it down to meat in okay. the city in yeah. Ryan House, which was where the gold tower is today. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I remember as a little girl actually going to work with him because she used right. to work Saturdays, okay. I think till 12 or something, even right. in offices. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so I, I basically went to Nunder State School, then on to Clayford College for my senior yeah. years. And um, when I was at Clayford, we moved into Ascot, so I grew up in Ascot. Uh-huh. And um, then, my, then I moved to New Farm for my first property. Right. But um, my schooling was, uh, basically, I've always been very creative mm-hmm. right from the start. In fact, when I was at Clayfield, they had a very good, they probably, st- they still do have a uh, great art program, mm-hmm. of which I give a prize to okay. every year. Right. But we were really encouraged because I didn't see art as a career. I don't right. think my parents did either. Yep. But normally when you go to a private school, often you are pushed towards mm-hmm. a different degree. Sure. And at that stage, to go to Queensland College of Art was really difficult to get into. Mm-hmm. It was the prestigious art college. It was the, Seven Hills. Yes, yeah, it yeah. was Seven Hills. Yeah. Originally, it was at QUT, by the way. Right. It was A Block, okay. QUT there. Right. They pushed them out to the suburbs. Right. Um, anyway, I got in. And it was actually four or five of us from Clayford College okay. that went. And what was your medium that you uh, like to work Well, with. I did graphic design, so I don't know what it was called then. It was called something else, but it was a graphic design thing. And I got there and I thought, wow, it was so hard to get into. Mm. Really competitive and I hated it. Right. I hated it, hated it. I don't know whether it was straight out of school, whether it was, you know, at school I was the big fish in the small pond. At QCA, everyone was good. Right. Everyone, you know, clearly everyone was great. And I just didn't know whether it was one I wanted to do. So, coincidentally enough, mum and dad said, you can't 
do nothing. If you're going to finish uni, you've got to do something. So right. I did a business course uh-huh. at then Kelly Girls. Okay. Mum was a flight attendant. Right. Mum flew with the lady that established Kelly Girls. And so I did this very basic business, you know, accounting, type right. I'd learnt to type. Right. Because I never did that at school. Yeah. And I got referred to a job down at Park Royal. Okay. In, ho- in hotels. Yeah. I think it's called Royal on the Park now. Yeah. It's part of a big chain, Southern Pacific chain. Of course, I didn't know anything about hotels. Never. The only job I had was working on weekends in a dress shop and mm-hmm. working for my father in his business on school holidays. And I walked straight in, walked out with a uniform. It was right. a different era. You didn't have to go through all this sure. different process. Yeah. And I worked there for three years okay. on the front desk of Park Royal. It was the best learning experience. Was studying or you dropped out? No, I had dropped out of stuff. I had deferred yeah. by then. And I thought, and, and in fact, it was a conversation with mum and dad. And they sort of said, you should go back to uni. Right. Because I was loving working so much. Yeah. But really, I didn't look beyond, this sure. is great fun. Yeah. It was very, very social. Mm-hmm. It was. It was just fantastic and I got paid to, to talk all day <laughs> and <laughs> greet people I couldn't and have nothing got stopped. No, and nothing nothing's changed. changed and you also learn about people right because it was the hotel this is I'm aging myself now but this is before the Hilton and the Sheraton so right. it was the place all the bands all the VIPs yeah. everyone stayed there okay Commonwealth Games came and went you know Anyway, I went back to uni and I remember the day I left, they asked me to come back and work part-time. So I actually had a big goodbye party. Right. Then I was back next week. Right. And I worked part, my part-time while I did my... I started back at first year. I didn't want to go. They wanted me to go into second year. Back at the... Uh, QCA. Yeah. And um, I wanted to start with the same cohort. Mm-hmm. So And it was a different attitude. I was, mm-hmm. I guess, I was probably... I think I was 21 or I was in early 20s. Mm-hmm. Oh, in fact... My husband, my then before he was my husband, my friend there, he thought I was first year uni, so he thought I was like 18, uh, 18 or something. Right. But no, I said, no, I'm a mature age. I, think, I was in my early 20s, very early 20s. Yeah. But it was considered mature age. Right. My attitude had changed. My uh, approach to work had changed. Mm-hmm. And so I excelled mm-hmm. all the way through and got prizes all the mm-hmm. way through. And, and um, in my third year, I was... Um, uh, Michael Bryce in those days had um, Bryce Design, I think, changed to Manali Bryce, had an intern program which mm-hmm. I applied for and I got it. So in my third year, I basically was working there mm-hmm. and doing my uni sort of, uh, you know, on the weekends mm-hmm. and at nights and things like that. So I graduated with a really good um, background. Mm-hmm. And um, since then, I've, I've basically worked there for another year or two and then I worked for myself. Mm-hmm. So... And so uh you know, quite brave to in your what mid twenties to strike out on your own. I was still I was doing it when I was at uni too. Right. Yes, but I was never afraid of that, Richard. I think, you know, when you come from a family that everyone works for themselves, mm-hmm. it's not a fear. Mm-hmm. Dad gave me a loan, which I did pay back. I remember it was five thousand dollars to right. start my office, and he was a bit. I didn't didn't really like the idea that I was going to call it. I think I started as Chris Moody Graphic Design. He said, "Well, what happens if you get married?" Right. I wasn't. I never changed my name. Right. I said, "Well, it's fine. Everyone does it, you know." Um, but I literally started. I still remember the day. Everything was new. This pre-computers. Everything was new and shiny. And um, I was by myself. Didn't have any staff for the first six months. It mm-hmm. was me, and I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And I think. Steve Jobs goes, you can't join the dots backwards, you're going to connect them forwards. Right. And I think back, hospitality training, brilliant. 
working under stress, you know, a manual system, mm -hmm. checking 200 people out on a Friday. Mm -hmm. You had to have really good skills to keep cool and calm mm -hmm. and you can do whatever you like behind the scenes, like faulty towers, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. But, you know, cool and calm and actually making decisions. Um, but also understanding people, mm -hmm. which is what my job is. I have to understand how mm -hmm. people think and what they say may mm -hmm. not be what they feel. Um, but um, it was great experience, but I'm so glad that uh, I did go back mm -hmm. to uni and I've actually never stopped studying. Mm -hmm. so, and mm -hmm. so 31 years of essentially working for yourself, mm. you know, what have been some of the key milestones along that journey uh, that have enabled you to achieve what you've got now? I think is I've always been good at no matter what's thrown at me, even though it might be overwhelming. And mm -hmm. I've had some overwhelming things in business happen. And it's a trust yourself. And mm -hmm. I remember one particular thing happened in the early 2000s and I went, oh, my God, this is... Oh, I, I couldn't see a way forward. Mm -hmm. And again, I sat and because I'm visual, I drew up the problem. And I talk about that in my book, actually. Draw it up because you can see it. doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. It also doesn't matter if you can't control it. So mm -hmm. you, you, you don't know the answer. You just plot it. And then you can see it. By the action of doing it, and the action of going, okay, now I can see it, it doesn't look so bad. Mm -hmm. And also, again, having the right people and asking the right questions and getting them to help mm -hmm. me on my way through. So I also know um, that it's never as bad as you think. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't kill you, it doesn't actually really matter. Mm -hmm. um, but also, um, there's always tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, there's always a fresh start. Um, and I think the other thing is... Get great advisors. Read if they tell you to read something, read it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's an important lesson. And also, don't be afraid to talk to other people about it. I think that's really what I've learned. Is you certainly some people may not get it, mm -hmm. but there will be someone there to help you. Mm -hmm. You can just talk. You know, get advice. Even the, the fact that you're telling someone, you can often hear yourself and go, "Oh, I know what I can do now." Mm -hmm. But I think. Um, the other, other lesson I've learned in, in business is, like I have, is pivot. Just because you're good at something now mm. doesn't mean it's always going to be, mm -hmm. there's always going to be a market for it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know that whilst you've worked for yourself for that long a period, your business obviously been through a number of different iterations. Yes. You know, Moody Design, then Design Agenda, then yes. um, Moody Brand Advisors, etc. Yes. So what, what have been some of those... Pivotal, yes. pivot, pivot moments that are, you know, what's been happening in the environment to make you go, okay, I need to change now. Well, one, I haven't stopped studying, so I've always had the luxury, I guess, in a lot of ways, of having formal academic study. And that wasn't to get degrees, it was to have a space that was three hours at night at QUT, for example, that was mine. It was a luxury of going, this is my learning time. Yeah. And I could see things happening in industry. So, for example, when I started my business, you had to come and see a designer. You had to, they had to do the, everything was manual. Mm -hmm. Everything was lettuce shall I? No one will know what that is. Mm -hmm. But it was very much, it was pre-computers. Mm -hmm. And I could see, we were the first one, of the first ones in Brisbane to get Apple computers. Mm -hmm. And that was slowly learning, you know, learning all that, etc. But what I recognised was if you don't keep on moving up the food chain, so to mm -hmm. speak, and getting different skills, you will be obsolete. And it's my innovative mind and my entrepreneurial spirit that's allowed me to go, oh, I see that. How's that going to... In a different industry or a different mm -hmm. country, and go, oh, 
how can I leverage that into my business? Mm-hmm. Does my name of my business reflect where I'm going? Mm-hmm. So I, I sort of test it under an umbrella, then when it's ready, it comes out from mm-hmm. that. So when I look at business ideas, I've always got something that's new that I'm working on, that I'm just testing and prototyping, which mm-hmm. is what designer law school was. Mm-hmm. Uh, prototyping, testing it, delivering it, mm-hmm. learning from it, tweaking it, moving it on, um, and then actually releasing it and going, well, what's going to happen there? Mm-hmm. And that is what I do because my clients are so diverse. So I'm thinking about them all the time and what different things they can do. Mm. And I think... Um, that's why I have pivoted is because the environment in which we all operate now is changing. Mm-hmm. So I just make sure I try and stay one step ahead. Mm-hmm. I don't sort of go, oh, that's done. So what, what's a tangible example of where you've undertaken a significant pivot in your business? It looked like this. I, you know, I could read the writing on the yes. wall. I changed you know, in a, in, a, in a radically different way. I think brand audits, actually. Right. So really sticking to that area where you may not even do the, the design work on the other end. Mm-hmm. So when you do an audit, it's independent. So I don't say, oh, you, sh- you need a new logo. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can help you with that logo. Yeah. It, I actually keep that audit as really independent because right. I may not, I may be working with a team that's going to be implementing it mm-hmm. and, and executing it. Mm-hmm. So I try and keep that as... Uh, the bridge between the CEO and the marketing team and the executive team. Mm-hmm. So I think, for me, I see that. But I probably amongst that are little pivots. But I think at some stage you've got to become, you've got to say you can't be sort of um, playing in that space mm-hmm. a bit of the time and playing in this space. You, you know when it's ready. Mm-hmm. You know when you're ready to launch that brand. Mm-hmm. And then you do it. Mm-hmm. You don't worry about the past. You just mm. go, this is who I am, mm-hmm. and launch it. Mm, okay. That's how you do it. And what about, uh, you know, as an owner of a professional services firm, you've, um, there no doubt would have been times where you could have grown significantly. Yes, um, yes, definitely. And times where perhaps you contracted. There would have been times, I imagine, if you're like me anyway, where you think, oh, life would be so much easier if I just got a job and was an employee for yes, a while. Yes, yes. You know, so how, what... Talk about some of those um, sort of uh, critical thought processes over that period of time. Well, I always go through that. Every so often I go through that sort of feeling of, oh, I could just work for someone, you know, get a paycheck. And then I think, what of the last 30 plus years have I come to that conclusion? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be that sort of person mm-hmm. because I see in, in the role that I play at the moment where I can be entrepreneurial, I don't have to tell I don't have to do, ask permission from anybody. Mm-hmm. I just do it. I also don't have to spend a lot of money and a lot of time. I can just do it. But I think for me that I see opportunities for every business. So in the professional services, it's all about letting people know what you do. It's actually about um, making sure it's suitable for them so it's not a cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. So And also actually look at not being afraid to say, for that client know that what we do for you it's not I can't actually help you with that Mm -hmm. and then being prepared to hand it on to somebody else I also think the world's changed and I could see in New York I worked in a lot of co-work spaces and I know there's some here and I understand that it's not new in New York but I think the way that people work Mm -hmm. is how I started Mm -hmm. so when I started you had to use 
a person that did your pre-press and all your separations. You had to use specialists mm-hmm. and come together to do a job. Well, mm-hmm. actually, it's gone full circle because that's how you work now. Mm-hmm. You're, you work with different groups of people, mm-hmm. whether they're freelance or you're working in a co-work space and you utilising the people within that community, mm-hmm. it's a trend again mm-hmm. because people are realising each person's got their specialty. Mm-hmm. And I think for a long time we did lots of general stuff. Mm. So I think when I came back from New York, I said, I don't want to be that, I don't want to set up an office, uh, you know, like with a big lot of staff, etc., yeah. etc. I want to work in the, in the world that is out there now, mm-hmm. which is working on specialty projects mm-hmm. and calling in people for their area of expertise. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's the biggest change I've mm-hmm. seen. And to be able to do it in, in the city that... Um, is known for entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. which New York is, it was great. So I immersed myself in that community. I went to everything I could. I, I talked to um, uh, venture capitalists. I talked to um, startup companies. Mm-hmm. I talked to companies that were startups that are now established and had been sold on. Mm-hmm. And in a very casual um, conversations we'd have, they had lots of events that co-work spaces over in New York Mm -hmm. so I went to everything I could because I was sort of sapping it up but also I think that that's the future Mm -hmm. and I I think with all it doesn't matter what you know I came from that background and we're used to working in that background but I think all businesses now have changed forever yeah for sure and I think it's going to be a different model going Mm -hmm. going forward I read a book uh, probably two years ago and I can't think of the author's name but he was invited to the top floor of uh, a bank that he was doing business with and he met the in-house legal counsel or yes. whoever it was in New York. And uh, the guy is standing at the window and he says to the author, come and stand at the window and tell me what you see. And he says, oh, I see, you know, lots and lots of big buildings. He says, but look at the big buildings. And it was in the evening and how many were almost completely black. Yes. You know, where these structures that were built to house thousands and thousands of employees and now that um, technology uh, is enabling a lot of work to be done in the cloud and to be yes. offshore and so on, you've suddenly got all of these professional people who are not necessarily out of choice being thrust into being more entrepreneurial yes. and that's creating this you know, um, huge shift towards independent consultants who specialise in very niche areas and yes. work in co-working spaces and so on. Yes, I think that, that a whole, the whole way we do business has changed. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest challenge is making sure that you've got the right people. How do you mm-hmm. find the right people? But also, how do you con- control um, staff when they're not actually in front of you? So how do you know what people are working on, etc.? And technology can do that. But I think the other thing is, um, I've been very lucky that my husband's really into technology, so anything new, we will right. test. Yep. So when Dropbox came in, okay. you know, came out, sure. use Dropbox, yeah. so, or, or whatever. And it's funny because I was sitting in, you know, New York, mm-hmm. sending things to clients here. Mm-hmm. They didn't know I was over there. A lot of people mm-hmm. didn't even know I was away. Yeah. Well, you couldn't do that. My, I remember my first trip to New York and getting having Skype and whatever, and you're sort of going, you know, it was a new technology. Mm-hmm. But still, at the end of the day, it's about how to have people that you can trust around you. I don't think that's changed. That's always been in. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of companies, and I saw it, I went to something with the, um, lawyers the other day. They were talking about technology because everyone thinks they're not going to be disrupted. Mm-hmm. 
and then suddenly they are, it's on top of them. Mm. So I try and look for the next thing. So I'm always working on, well, that's happening, so you can't control it, taxi companies, mm-hmm. Uber, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I always talk to clients about what's the Uber in your industry mm-hmm. and how do you stay ahead. Mm-hmm. And that's what all my research was actually about for my thesis because in retail, how do you do that? How mm-hmm. do you differentiate your brand in this really crowded mm-hmm. market space? Mm-hmm. And it's a great segue, you know, I'd like to sort of conclude, you know, the last few minutes of this conversation, talking about, I mean, the majority of people who listen to this podcast are either aspiring or incumbent C-suite executives. A lot of them are wanting at some point to move into a portfolio career. Yes. Um, But they may be quite early in their career. And, uh, you know, coming back to the uh, personal branding and um, so... uh, uh, somebody appears on you, in front of you and they say, you know, Chris, I have aspirations that I want to be, you know, a C-suite executive in a significant organisation. You know, what, what, if you were starting to do their personal brand audit, you know, what are, what are the areas that you focus on? Well, I think back to, to me when I started too, and, and I was president of Fostering Executive Women for many years at QT Business School. Yeah, yeah. So I could see them, you know, those some of those women have gone an amazing distance. And I think the most important thing is you really don't know what's going to happen in the future. Have mm-hmm. a plan and revisit it. So if, if someone came to me, and the first thing I say, show me your CV. Yeah, show me all the tools. And everyone's right. got them. Yeah. But often they're vanilla. Mm-hmm. And often I listen to, you know, the other podcasts of people that you've interviewed. It's the rich tapestry, shall I be cliche, of their background that makes them the person they are. So when I do personal branding, I Mm -hmm. look for something within that person that is only unique, Mm -hmm. that gives them their personal story. Mm -hmm. Because in brand, that's what you're doing. You're Mm -hmm. telling a story, and it's an authentic story. Mm -hmm. And so I try and dig down. And I even, someone said, I actually gave a talk just recently about personal branding and I said to this group of women actually executive women that I actually go and visit your wardrobe or get you to bring your your clothes and they go why I said I'll tell you when when I see it you know (laughs) because they don't they don't I think because everyone thinks they have to be a certain person and I've been through that early in my career you sort of think you have to you know wear certain suits act certain ways whatever and you realize I guess maybe it comes with age that really people want you people buy from people Mm -hmm. people trust you but you've actually got to be professional but you've got to show your personal brand and Mm -hmm. it's unique so Mm -hmm. people remember you Mm -hmm. over everything else and i think um try and dig into those resumes you know Mm -hmm. they're almost the same now aren't they Mm -hmm. one or two degrees continuing education varied so digging down so some of my clients have had a music background Mm -hmm. some of my clients have had amazing international Hong Kong, amazing stories. Mm -hmm. So I try and get those out because Mm -hmm. in a, whether they're going for a director role or a senior role or any role, I want them to stand out in that interview because people remember, oh, that's the person Mm -hmm. that's got that. So it doesn't matter what level you're at, everyone's got their own unique Mm -hmm. bent. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And and you were talking about, uh, you know, uh, social media strategy and yes. you know there's so many things Instagram yes. and yes. Uh, Snapchat and yes. Twitter and so on and so forth and I I spoke on a panel at a um, Australian Institute of Management young oh, managers yes. uh, presentation about personal brand yes, yes. and all of these younger members are 
oh, what should we do? What, you know, in terms of our social media strategy, and obviously, old old person on the the uh, panel, <laughs> the other three were a lot younger than me. They were already texting, and, and they said. Uh, <laughs> What do you think, uh, Mr. Trees? And, and uh, I said, well, I kind of come from the school of you let your achievements speak for themselves. Um, rather than worrying about, uh, you know, how many Twitter followers you've got and so on, just do your job well and um, under-promise and over-deliver and allow that to, you know, be your brand. But I suppose the reality is for a lot of people, you know, you have to start to accommodate yes. the social media elements. And for yes. the majority of people who are more advanced in their careers, like me, I mean, I post to Twitter, but I don't get it yes. at all. I yes. don't use Instagram. I only use Facebook for, you know, my um, uh, personal stuff. So how do you educate a 40-something-year-old yes. about how to not only get the technology but embrace it well i've got this great diagram which i can't show you because we're just talking but in the center is what your brand is Mm -hmm. so that's your platform shall Mm -hmm. we say that's your why actually yeah that doesn't change Mm -hmm. so today it's facebook instagram whatever it doesn't matter they're all tools Mm -hmm. so whether it's a brochure whether it's your website it doesn't matter what the tools are Mm -hmm. get your story right so when I'm talking to non-executive directors who never use social media in their life, they think mm-hmm. Facebook's for putting mm-hmm. your holiday snaps on, if at all, or they've heard terrible stories about it. Mm. I used to say it's another platform. Yeah. So, for example, I know I actually do a, a, a template for them and, and we work through it. What is their story? What are mm-hmm. the three things that they stand for mm-hmm. how do we talk about that what we do do what we actually talk about and what we don't talk about mm-hmm. so even commenting on maybe political things which i don't do mm-hmm. i've got certain things that i don't talk about but mine comes down to business and brand so all my topics on my social media are about business and brand yep. and helping people so mm-hmm. giving people information mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing it's not about but if i'm if i'm a you know a mid-level general manager of operations and I'm aspiring to be Chief Operating Officer. Yes, yes. I mean, I get from your perspective being a consultant in a business around business and brand, but for that person, you know, how, how do they utilise social media successfully? Well, I think, again, it's telling their story or it's giving information. So it might mm-hmm. be talking about an issue they in their industry mm-hmm. and not talking about... It's not about them. Yeah. It's about helping. I always think... Who can I help with this information I'm giving? Mm-hmm. So it might be something around some trends in their business. Mm-hmm. It might be about it's some sort of educational aspect. Mm-hmm. I think too, um, like people like Don May from Domino's, and I know that's his direction because mm-hmm. his company, but he sits in that bracket, you oh, know. Right. What a and success you know story. what a success story. So I sort of figure, mm, there's something mm-hmm. happening there. Yeah, yeah. So clearly he's not. You know, he's doing something right. Yeah. And you've got to be in it. I think you can't actually talk about it until you've done it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so don't be afraid of it. I actually had to give a talk last week to school executives and principals about social media and the dangers and the risks. Right. Because you can imagine oh, with sure. schools, because yeah, yeah. you've got, you know, students, parents, teachers, you've got a whole... And I said to them, embrace it, because mm-hmm. it's for good and bad. Everyone hears the bad mm-hmm. stories, but mm-hmm. let's look at the good stories. Mm-hmm. So when you know, for example, you've got to just look at your narrative. So I have it in front of me, and I say, what am I going to write about this week? Mm-hmm. So I do one key thing a week, a blog, mm-hmm. and that goes on to all my platforms mm-hmm. in different ways. Yeah. But I'm not creating it for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. It is actually, I want to stand for something. Mm-hmm. This is what I stand for. Mm-hmm. So from a CEO, from a C-suite, what does that company stand for is X, 
but that person has to have a voice. Mm-hmm. They're leaders. The um, social media is a leadership tool. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be there. Go here. I am sure. having a great time surfing. Yeah, that's for your private. So mm-hmm. I've got brand audits, designer law school, the rap dress. They're all separate. Mm-hmm. And each time I do a post, I think, okay, I'm on this side. Mm-hmm. What am I talking mm-hmm. about in this context? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very, very planned. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not just about mm-hmm. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's actually about here is some here is some information I think can help other people. Excellent. That's the difference. Well, certainly, you know, for people who are listening in who you know might have an appetite to talk to you about their personal brand, uh, yes. we'll put uh, the appropriate links in the show notes. So Excellent, I'm thank sure you, you'd Richard. Be happy for people to reach out to you. Oh, by anytime. And anytime. Uh, so, just uh, looking to the future now, you've uh, published your book. You're doing your law qualifications. You know, in five to ten years' time, what do you think you'll be excited about doing? I think I'll be excited about. Um, something in the designer law school Mm -hmm. space helping people who are working with entrepreneurs or are entrepreneurs being that bridge Mm -hmm. between what they need to know and not getting them bogged down Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial spirit can't be bogged down by a lot of technical stuff and legal stuff but they need to know about so that bridge between Mm -hmm. helping them I see myself still in that space Mm -hmm. but more towards the designer law school space right and remaining Firmly footed in Brisbane or broader aspirations? Why I've remained in Brisbane is I like to, I've done all my work from here. I've done work in Oman, mm-hmm. I've done work in Chicago, I've done work all over the world, and that's from Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So my staff have always been in Brisbane, for mm-hmm. example. So I like the lifestyle of Brisbane. Mm-hmm. But if I got a call tomorrow from New York and said, come over, I wouldn't mind doing a couple of years sure. offshore. Yeah. But um, New York, it'd have to be New York. Um, if you're listening, if you're in New York. <laughs> um, but I just, it's just a mindset. So I can actually, I know I can work anywhere in the world because mm-hmm. of technology mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. of the way I work. Mm-hmm. So. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And just to wrap things up, because I know that you've got a busy day ahead uh, when you're not working uh, or travelling to New York, what other things do you like to do to keep you fresh and you know the petrol tank full uh how do you uh, enjoy your leisure time well i do the same things i do here as i do overseas a lot i like going for great coffee mm-hmm. i also like going to art galleries i like doing all those sort of things but i also just spending time with friends mm-hmm. and looking at new things so i've over the years i've i always have something i've never tried before i go what can i do that i've never done right. i've done surfboard riding learned okay. to surf not very good. Um, at this stage, I'm doing embroidery because I'm converting all my New York sketches. Right. So I did a lot of sketches in New York because I had time. Yeah. Into embroidery. Okay. So I'm doing learning from the proper right. the embroidery guild, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Haven't done that forever, but I look for things that I don't have to. Right. It, it's my relaxing because that's right. where your creativeness okay. comes from. Okay. So different hobbies, things yeah, like sure. that. I would like you to bring in the wrap dress for men. Because oh, I'm sick and tired of wearing okay. a bloody suit. And I look at the, <laughs> particularly you look at, you know, India. Yes. And where the men are basically going to we're, work in their pyjamas. That's right. And I think that's awesome. Why can't we do that? Well, that's, and, and again, that's why I did, I just literally don't have any dry cleaning bills. It goes into the washing machine in and out. Right. It's, a t- it's actually SBF 50 too. So okay. from a skin protection point of view, it's great. Right. So I'll see if I can design one that can accommodate. Yeah. If you design one, different it kind bits. Of looks like a suit. But, yes. Uh, it's just one piece of clothing. That would be awesome. Excellent. I'll work on that one, Richard. No problem. <laughs> All right, good. Well, look, uh, Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank uh, you. I can definitely recommend uh, Chris's book. Having uh, read it myself, I think anybody in business, it's a great read. And uh, I wish you a, a fantastic afternoon. Thank you, Richard. Okay. 
Well, thanks again for joining me. I hope you have lots of interesting things to occupy your days ahead and you get out there and achieve fantastic results. I look forward to having you along for future episodes of the RHA podcast. And in the meantime, have a fantastic week.